So I want to continue on the series we started two weeks ago called Multiply. And Sonica preached last weekend, and it's one of the most amazing messages ever. Dancing on disappointment. It was so amazing. If you missed last week, you can download it. You can't watch the dancing that was happening, but it was, it was so, so powerful. So I want to continue on this topic of multiplying, and I want to, today I want to speak about breaking barrenness or breaking spiritual barrenness. That's what I want to focus on. So here's a rope. I've used this illustration before, but I, I feel it's quite telling for, for what I want to, or illustrative of what I want to share today. This rope goes off the stage over there, and then it continues around the planet, around and round and round and round. Okay, so you've got the picture. So this is the rope. It's never-ending, never-ending rope, and it represents eternity. It represents the moment that you and I die the rest of forever. That is what that rope represents. Here in the front is this little red bit. This is your life. This represents your life. That's all. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes, and this is the little bit of your life. And some of us are at the starting point, like the little babies at the starting point. And we, we, we trust they're going to have a long and full life. Some of us are halfway. Some of us are a little bit further down the line. <laughs> but in reality, none of us know when is that moment when we would step into eternity. None of us know when your time is. None of us know when you will breathe your last. The question is, will you be ready to step into eternity? Will you be ready? And what, so, what happens with many of us, we, we get so focused on the little red bit that we work our ninnies off. We work day and night, long shift, a lot of hours, and we're working, working, working for like 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you know, from the age of 20, say, until the age of 60, 60 something. We're working, 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 so we can enjoy that little bit there. Just a little bit there. Yeah. Man, I'm going to enjoy those five years. <laughs> so your whole life, everything you're doing is invested in just that little bit over there. Wouldn't that be foolish to live life as if the red part is all we've got? It's the height of foolishness and, and yet... So many of us fall into this. We, we get busy with life and things happen and we, we fall back into that trap of thinking this is all that life is about. No, no, life is actually just preparation for eternity. First question is, will, will we make heaven? Only through Jesus Christ. That's the first one. But if we are a Christian, if we are a believer in Christ, the question is, will we be poor for all of eternity or will we be rich in eternity? And it depends on how we live life now. Say now. Everything you do now, as a classic movie said, echoes in eternity. Gladiator movie. Hollywood sometimes gets it right. <laughs> but the things we do in this life echoes in eternity, impacts eternity. But most of us are living only for the little red bit, for the car and the house and one day this and if I have more money than this and you know but when you lay when you, when you lie on your deathbed you're not thinking about if I only worked harder you're not thinking 
if only I put in an extra overtime. You're not thinking, if I only maybe did that. You're probably going to think people. Oh, if, only, if only I forgave that one. If only I didn't have that fight with my brother 30 years ago and we're still not talking. I so wish I could reconcile. I so wish I could make things right with him. So relationships are of eternal value. And so I want to speak about, as I said, about spiritual barrenness. So there's this account in the scriptures where Jesus was walking from, he was going from Bethany to Jerusalem. And as he was going, walking, he, he got hungry. He was hungry. And so he, he saw a fig tree in the distance. And he was thinking, probably thinking, like, oh, wonderful. I'm sure there'll be figs on that fig tree. So that's going to nourish me. I'm starving. I want, some, I want some figs. So he gets to the fig tree. And then the scripture says, and he found only leaves, but no figs. And then he said this profound thing. He said, let there, ne- let there never be fruit on this tree again. And then as they say, the fig tree withered and died. Profound moment where Jesus speaking illustratively to doing something to, to, to make a point for his disciples and for all of us. He was hungry. He came to the fig tree and the fig tree was supposed to have fruit to nourish him. But the fig tree didn't have. So he said, well, this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. So this morning I'm speaking to Christians primarily. So if you're not really believe in Jesus, so you're not, you know, sit back, enjoy the ride, chill. Um, but I'm speaking to Christians, believers who really want to follow Jesus this morning. Okay, so it's going to be a little bit challenging. Are you ready? Okay, say I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So Jesus from this story, we can deduce a few things. The, the, the one thing is, you know, you and I, we are represented by the fig tree. We are the fig tree. And there are hungry people coming to us to be fed spiritually. They're coming to, to find fruit on our lives so that they can be nourished and strengthened and, 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 and blessed. And Jesus is saying, for the sake of the hungry, you need to bear fruit. And you, if, it's only when you bear fruit that you can multiply. But also the very purpose of the fig tree is to bear fruit. That the reason for its existence is to bear fruit. To, to manifest good things that will sustain and strengthen others. Many of us wonder, you know, what's my purpose? What's my, what is my reason for living? What is my reason for being? Your reason for being is to be a blessing to someone else. Your reason for being is to carry the goodness of God in your life so that others can come and receive life. Blessing. The word of God. To be strengthened. And so Jesus is saying, this is unacceptable. This tree must have fruit. It's the very, the, the, the purpose of your existence is to bear fruit for the sake of the hungry. This is just wrong. Something's wrong. You see, sometimes we think, you know, if we prayed a prayer 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, Jesus, forgive me my sin. And then he forgives your sin and then everything's wonderful. It's just like, 
You don't have to do anything ever again. You, there's nothing that needs to happen. There's just, it's, it's just wonderful. Because Jesus loves me. Yes, He loves you. He loves you so much. But He wants something. He wants something from our lives so that we can be healthy, so that we can be flourishing, truly flourishing. So look at this. There's a parable that Jesus speaks in Luke chapter 13. Before I read it, I want to highlight this one thing. Jesus said he found nothing on the fig tree except leaves. So he was like coming close, like lifting the leaves. Where's the figs? Where's the figs? Where's the fruit? So I want to ask this question. Could you, could I, could some of us here be Christians with leaves but no fruit? Could you be one of those? You have leaves, you look the part from a distance, man. Oh, worship, oh, that guy is raising his hands. Looks like the real deal, you, you know. And when you're talking Christianese, yeah, got the lingo down, no, yeah. Know how to do this thing, I know the right words. Yep, that is in the book of Habakkuk. Woo, impressive. Looks the part but no fruit. Have the leaves from a distance. That's a fig tree. That's, there should be fruit coming closer. Hey, hey. There's no fruit. Something's wrong. And I believe m- most Christians, most people, they want to bear fruit. We want to. We, sincere, we sincerely want to follow Jesus, but we somehow find ourselves spiritually barren. And there's two reasons why I want to highlight that. Two Two causes of spiritual barrenness that every one of us are being infected by or impacted by. Two things that are impacting our lives that could be causing us to be barren or bear less fruit than we should be. Okay, but look at this, this parable. I'm going to answer that question in a moment. So he says there in Luke 13, 6, he also spoke this parable, illustrating the same point. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Say his vineyard. Okay, a certain man, this is the farmer, the owner. He had a vineyard and there was a fig tree planted in in his vineyard. So you and I, we're the fig tree. And we planted, when we come to Christ, when we come in our lives to Jesus, we are planted in the kingdom of God. And the owner, Jesus Christ, has the right to expect something from his farming. Trees on my farm will bear fruit. Okay, that type of thing. So he says there, planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit, say seeking fruit, on it and found none. So he came and he's seeking fruit and he found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. So he's been coming for three years. Lifting the leaves, where's the fruit? For some of us, Jesus has been coming for years. Looking at our lives. Hey, where's the fruit? I'm st- next year. Hey, still looking for fruit. Next year. Come on. Surely there must be some fruit. Are you telling me you, you're living your life just for yourself? Something's wrong here. How can you just have leaves and no fruit? Didn't you say when you sung that song, Lord, I give you my life and I will not waste another day? Didn't you say that I'm confused? So you said 
You're going to lay down your life. You said you're going to follow me. But, but now you're living life as if it's all about yourself. Just what pleases you. Something's wrong. So Jesus continues there. And he found none. Then he said to the keeper, cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not after that, you can cut it down. So the, the purpose of the series is to, we're going to, I'm going to mess around your tree a little bit. I'm going to come and dig here. I'm going to poke you a little bit <laughs> to get you a little bit uncomfortable and to make you think, am I bearing fruit? Am I living life just for myself? Am I pleasing the owner, the keeper, the, the, the owner, the farmer of the, the vineyard? Or am I just living life for myself? You know, it's so easy to fall into that. I want to show you the two reasons, primary reasons why we uh, tend to become barren. But he says that then after the next year, cut it down. Cut it down. What does it mean? Cut it down. Could it mean that if we do not, if we keep on just coming to church every now and again, and we read out the Bible every now and again, we go through the motions, but we, we spiritually barren, we're not bearing fruit. Could it be that after a while, we find ourselves falling away? Could it be? Could it be that we completely lose our way and we find ourselves in a place of unbelief and doubt and we've lost our way? I think it could be. It could be. So this is, this is serious. Who wants to be cut down? Well, if you're a lovely fig tree, not me. Don't, want to be, don't, don't cut me down. Don't cut me down. Fertilize. Fertilize. Come on, let's get fertile. Let's become fruitful. Let's get rid of barrenness. Okay, so that's what we want to get to. He seeks fruit. And so two weeks ago, we started on Matthew 13 that speaks this parable about the, the, the word of God that's like a seed. And then the seed was sown in different soils. The one fell on the wayside and it was stolen. Last week, Sonica spoke about the, the hard soil. The seed that was received with joy, but then disappointment came. Trials and tribulations came and then they fell away. It's all Christians falling away. And now the third group, Matthew 13, 22 to 23. Now it says there, now he received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Say thorns. So the seed falls among the thorns and the thorns choke the word. So that would be the Christian that would come to church every so often and go through the motions and they would hear the word and they would listen and they would hear the word and they would listen and that yeah I'm excited it's cool and then in the end nothing no fruit this the thorns choke it so if you, you your, your body is through a three-part being soul spirit and body you're your being soul is your mind your spirit is the inner you and then your body. Now, choking would be like if you would grab the person next to you right now and you would choke them. This is your opportunity. 
choke. Choke is like you can't breathe. Oh, can't breathe. Can't breathe. Choke. The thorns, they choke. Say choke. So the thorns come and they choke the life out of us. And when we go into church and we maybe go in a small group and we're reading our Bible every now and again, but something's wrong. I'm not growing. I'm, 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 I'm lukewarm. I'm complacent. I'm, I don't have this passion anymore. I'm seeing other people passionate. And I'm like, I don't have that. <laughs> Something's wrong. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Every one of us are confronted with this on a daily basis. The cares, the worries of this world that comes upon our shoulders and it drags us down. It divides the cares. The word care says divides our hearts, our minds. And we're like in two minds. I'm like, I'm just so stressed. I'm just so worried. I don't know what to do with this. And then it says the deceitfulness of riches. Now think about this. You might say, well, if the preacher was just doing a better job, the word will be more effective in my life. Now I always like to go back to Jesus. Let's think about Jesus. Three years of ministry. Was there anyone in his company who was there continuously there with him the whole time? Who heard all the stories, who saw all the miracles, who experienced everything, the most glorious moments where Jesus would share his heart with his disciples. He was there. He was one of the twelve. But it didn't impact him. Who's there? Judas. Judas. Think about this. It's amazing if you can read the scriptures. The scriptures say Judas was a thief. The deceitfulness of riches entered his heart. The other disciples left all their goods, everything to follow Jesus. So the soil of their hearts were good. It was ready. It was like, was good word, good seed, in fertile ground, and they grew. But when it came to Judas, something was wrong. He loved money more than he loved Jesus. And that corrupted his heart. And the fruit, the seed that was sown by Jesus himself had no impact on him. So that tells me we, the same thing can happen to us. So we want to pluck out a few thorns today. Amen. Come on, let's pluck out a few thorns. I'm preaching to myself today. Preaching to myself. John 12, verse 3 to 6. The question is, who will you be? Beautiful story. Where Mary comes. Not the mother of Jesus. Mary, the sister of Martha. She comes. And does this amazing thing. Been written in all, all the, all three of the four Gospels. They speak about this. It says, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. Anointed the feet of Jesus. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Amazing. Two other, in other two gospels, first four books of the New Testament, when they, they talk about this, just after Mary did this, Judas got up like he had enough. 
He went to the priests and said, if you give me 30, what, what would you give me to hand over Jesus, to betray Christ? Just after Mary came with this extravagant worship. So what happened is Mary, she, in, in Luke chapter 11, two chapters earlier, or one chapter earlier, or end of Luke chapter 10, she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was running around, busy, worried about stuff. But Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, receiving his word. Martha was missing out. Mary was receiving the word of God. Her heart was wide open. Her heart was fertile. Her heart was ready to receive the word. And that word had this amazing impact on her. One chapter later, one a little bit later, she comes to Jesus. She takes this very expensive oil, which is equal to one year's worth of wages. One year. One year worth of wages. And because she only had eyes for Jesus, she said, I don't care about earthly things. I want him. I want the true riches. I'm not focused. I'm not focused on this red little bit. I am focused on eternity. I want him. I want Jesus. I want God. The word has impacted her heart so much. She was like, who cares about a year's worth of money? Think about it. A whole year's salary. Let's say your whole salary, one year's salary. That's probably a bit of money. But she was like, I'm not focused on the earthly. I'm focused on the eternal. She knew that real worship is sacrificial. Real worship costs me something. The thorns, when she did that, she took this oil, she poured it over uh, the feet of Jesus, and then she took her hair, and then she wiped his feet with her hair, despite what the men were thinking and saying and the judging eyes and the accusations. She was like, who cares what people think? I'm going to be in church on Sunday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to raise my hand in worship. Who cares what they say? She went way beyond that. There was such a passion in her heart that she didn't, she didn't care about the financial implication. She didn't care about the, the implication of what people might think. She was like, I want Jesus. You see, but sometimes when the thorns come into our hearts, we, become, we, we begin to pursue the money. We allow the money to define what we do, where we live, how we live, what we're going to do. So just a disclaimer, I'm not looking for anybody's money. You don't need to give any money to the church. Okay, so sit back, relax, breathe. But I want our hearts to turn to Christ, to pluck out the thorns that's causing barrenness in so many of our lives. Mary was this extravagant worshiper. Her eyes on the, re the reward, the victory, Christ himself. But the deceitfulness of riches is that it gives us this promise that if you have enough money, if you have enough things, if you have enough stuff, it's going to please you. It's going to bring peace to you. When you have the big house, you're going to be happy. So we bought a house recently. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm within the first week, I'm like, God, I want you. 
I want you who cares about a house. Who cares about a house that distracts you? I want you. I don't want something in my heart that like, oh, worship the house, worship my stuff, worship my car. No. The fanciest house on the planet won't give you peace. Amen. It won't. It's a lie. But the deceit is that it says to you, when you have that, you're going to be happy. It's a lie. And it causes Christians' hearts to become dull and thorny. And it shuts down. So let's pluck those thorns out. In Jesus' name. A, wor- a year's worth of money that she wasted on Jesus. And it blessed the heart of Christ so much. So how do you, how do you break out of, how do you get the thorns out of your heart? You do like Mary did. Extravagant giving of your stuff, but also of yourself. Jesus, it's all about you. Give and it will be given unto you. Give of yourself. Give of your time. Give of your stuff, your money, your possessions. Give and give of yourself, holding nothing back. All I am, Lord, I give you my life. Have it. I give you my life, Jesus. I surrender it to you. I will not put my trust in money. I will not hold on to earthly goods because it will not satisfy. I'm letting it go. In Jesus' name. Give and will be given unto you. Now look at this next verse. Powerful, powerful. Next one. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That doesn't... uh, Some churches do this, but we don't. Give 10 rand and Jesus will give you 100 rand back. Rubbish, man. Maybe he will, but that's not why you give. That good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over and put into your bosom, is not money. It's Him. It's His presence. It's His spirit. It is peace. It is joy. It is relationships that are blessed. Eternal riches. True riches. God, it's you that we want. Yes, God might bless you financially as well, but that's the side issue. Who wants to have a lot of money if it will not satisfy you? That's not the goal. That's maybe just an extra bonus. Thank you, Jesus. Give, and it will be given unto you. I saw this, this vision, this picture while I was praying over this. I saw this picture of hands giving. Horizontally giving. And then I saw receiving from heaven. Give, and it will be given unto you. Give, and it will be given unto you. Give of your time, and it will be given unto you. Give of your material belongings, and it will be given unto you. Give of yourself to Jesus or to people by loving them, and it will be given unto you. Amen. See, but you, you need to have, you need to, to, to see it from God's perspective. You need to see it from an eternal perspective. If we're so f- focused on this, we lose everything. And the Bible says so clearly, tell the rich people, do not trust in riches, which are so untrustworthy. And you can be dirt poor and still put all your trust in money and stuff, in your pension fund, 
until Malema gets into power. And then your pension fund, fund is gone. So I'd rather, I'd rather invest over here. Malema can't get to it. They can't take it. They can't break it down. No one can get into this truly rich peace, joy, eternal wealth. Don't put your trust in earthly things. You'll just stress and worry and worry some more. You've got a loving father that will look after you and provide for you. For with the same measure that you use, we measure back to you. If we want to become multipliers, if we want to become fruitful, we need to give of ourselves, of our time, of our resources, of our talents. There is a reason why you exist. There is a reason why you are planted in the house of God. There's a reason why you came to Christ to give, to feed the hungry. To feed the hungry, to feed those who are, who are desperate for more. But so some of us are so self-focused, we go through life only thinking about what is beneficial for me. And we miss out on our work colleagues who are maybe desperate for an encounter with Jesus. We, we miss out on our neighbor or a spouse or a child or a friend that actually desperately needs a tree with some fruit who can give them hope and joy and peace and life and point them to Jesus. A selfish heart is toxic to the word of God. A generous heart flourishes. Come on, we can, we can break out out of barrenness and step into the fullness of God. True riches, that's what I'm saying. I am not after money, possessions, houses, things, fancier, this or that. I want one thing. Jesus, I want you. I want an outpouring of your spirit in this city that will blow people's minds. Lord, I want to lead. I want to see multitudes come to Christ. And if that costs me something, so be it. I'm willing to pay that price. Where are you at? Where are you at? Have the thorns gotten into your heart? I've got my career plan. I'm focused on my red. This is what we're going to do. You're missing out. You're missing out on life. The biggest Reward I get this side of eternity beyond God himself, his presence, is to see someone turn to Jesus. We had the privilege last week, Sunday morning, we baptized our first Sangoma. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. So no, no, we, we didn't inaugurate our first Sangoma. We baptized him. So it's amazing. He said that he, in, his, in, his, in his initiation process, he would... They, would, they believe the ancestors are under the rivers, under the river. And uh, so in his organ, in, when, he, when he was sort of becoming this, this, this Sangoma, he had to sleep on top of the river on this raft or something, and then all this evil would come. He'd hear these voices that tell him to do bad stuff and just destroying his life. And so I had the privilege of leading this man to Jesus, showing him that, no, the ancestors are dead. They're either in heaven or in hell. They can't help you. Why, why are they suddenly gods? Huh? Why is your granddaddy some, suddenly a god? He was an ungodly man. And now suddenly he's a god and you're praying to him. Rubbish. Either heaven or hell. There's nothing in between. And so he turned to Christ, committed his life to Jesus, and then we had the privilege of baptizing him at the river. Saying, Jesus, we follow you. It's glorious. 
You see, but you don't lead Sangomas to Jesus when you're double-minded. You don't lead Sangomas to Jesus when your heart is after money and stuff. You don't lead these type of people to Christ when you have so much stuff in your life, so much sin in your life. No, you need to completely surrender yourself to Jesus. So that when you <laughs> address these things, you're like, enemy is nothing in me. I'm out. I want more of Christ. Where are you at? Come on. Let's get the thorns out of our hearts. Let's say, Jesus, I want to lead such people to Jesus. I want to lead someone to Jesus. I want to multiply. I want to bear fruit that everybody who looks at my life is like, I want to follow this guy's Jesus. This is different. Let's say, this is for me. (laughs) So Judas, on the other hand, he was pursuing earthly wealth. Jesus was Mary's God, but money was Judas's God. He was indignant, infuriated that how dare she waste. He was probably eyeing her alabaster floss, thinking he could have it sometime. How can you waste a whole years of wages? And then he goes and he sells Jesus for half a year's wages, or maybe less even. But I'm going to get something out of this. I'm going to get something from this. Matthew 26, 14. You know, for him, earthly riches was his God. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. From that moment, the thorn entered his heart. From that moment onwards, he sought opportunity to betray Jesus. So my question to every one of us, what are you after? True riches or earthly riches that fade away and then do not bring peace and joy? What are you after? Who will you be like? Will you be like Judas? Because you see what happens is when, when, when money becomes our God, when, when we love money and it gets a grip of our hearts, it will cause us to become like Judas. We will look for opportunity to betray Christ so that we can have benefit because it's all about me. I'm not willing to make that big sacrifice, eh? Yo, joining the ushering team at church, they have to be like a whole hour earlier. My goodness. Very demanding church, this. And it goes so long. My goodness. It's already an hour and a half. But you watch three-hour movies twice a week. But goodness, no, man, no, we can't. You, there's a lot of sacrifice here. This is nothing. This is nothing compared to biblical Christianity where they were willing to lay down their lives to say, I will not, ren- I will not renounce Jesus. I will follow him. You can throw me to the lions. You can threaten me. I will follow Jesus. You see, but the enemy comes with his deceit and he tries to get into our hearts and then the thoughts going through our minds seem so logical, but it's contrary to the cross of Christ, contrary to the word of God. So who will you be? Will you be Judas or will you be Mary? Give and it will be given unto you. Give and it will be given unto you. Give of your time and Lord will bless you. Give of your time for the cause of Christ and he will bless you. Give of your resources to someone in need for the cause of Christ and the Lord will bless you. I I told the Lord this week, God, I'll give you, I'll give anything. I just want my heart in a good space. No thorns. Whatever it takes. Because I'm after the greater riches. 
Amen. What are you after? What are you after? Are you willing to pay that price? So many of us are so busy pursuing the things of life. And could we become a thief where we rob God of bearing fruit, of blessing others, of serving someone in need? Because we're just so bound by worldly things. A generous heart is a fertile heart. Generous with time, money, and self, my heart is in it for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the hungry, for the sake of those that Jesus wants to bring to us. I'm like, bring them to me. Someone phoned me, actually, about this guy. They had the privilege of leading to Christ, the Sangoma, ex-Sangoma. A selfish, stingy heart is toxic to God's word. It just kills it. Chokes it. Chokes it. Uh, I must be careful. I might choke myself too much here. Okay, so the one is the deceitfulness of riches. Now, I just want to touch on the other one. The cares of this world. I'm ending off with this. The cares of this world. These two things are thorns. What are the cares of this world? The cares are the worries of the world. I, I saw this picture that for me defines, you know, the, the, the Greek god Atlas in mythology. He had the, the world on his shoulders, the globe on his shoulders. That was his, that was his curse by the mythological God Zeus, who said, your curse is you're going to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. You know, many of us, the cares of the world come into our hearts and into our lives, and we find ourselves carrying heavy burdens, things we're not called to carry. You are not God. You are not called to carry the weight of the world upon your own shoulders. You are not supposed to carry the worries of tomorrow on your heart about where will the money come from? How will the business make it? How will this work out? And so we worry and we worry and we worry and we try more in our own ability to sort it out. But the Lord is saying, the cares of this world, those worries, those stresses, those things that divide our hearts and minds, they'll make you barren. They'll make you spiritually barren. And you miss out. So you want to you cast your cares upon the Lord. So that's what I'm doing. You know, as a, as a leader of this church, pastor of this church, you know, we work with a lot of people. A lot of people issues. Those issues often become our issues. And I must tell myself, I am not God. Jesus, I bring this precious person before you. I, I put them into your hands. God, only you can save this marriage. God, only you can sort this out. God, we put this, we, I hand it over to you, and then I get my joy back. So do you have joy? A good test, if you're carrying the weights of the world, is do you have joy in the midst of the challenges of life? If you don't have joy, you're carrying it. You're carrying it. You're carrying it. You're carrying it. It will make you, it will make you barren. It will make you barren. No fruit, no fruit, no fruit. So the key is three, three, three practical things I want to put on the screen there for you. If you want to become fruitful, if you want to break barrenness off your life, first one is cast your cares onto the Lord. Cast your cares onto the Lord. Say, God, I'm not God. I don't, I don't have the economy in my hands. I don't control all these things, but Lord, I, I give it into your hands. Some of us are, have lost our joy, lost our fun in life because we're carrying, we're carrying these burdens. And this morning, I want us to, to cast those burdens off. 
Second practical thing, dealing with these thorns, breaking the power of barrenness, is devalue earthly wealth. Another million is not going to make you happy. Promise you. Another million is not going to make you happier. Food on the table, roof over your head, maybe transport to get around. Anything more? Fanciest car on the planet, two weeks. Then you, ah, whatever. Only Jesus never disappoints us. Only an intimate relationship with Christ never disappoints us. He, there's no end to him. There's no end to his love. There's no end to his goodness. There's no end to his glory. But if you're barren, you're missing out. If, you, if your heart is shut down, you're missing out. So devalue earthly wealth and then pursue true riches. You're not going to grow spiritually by only sitting on, in, in that chair on a Sunday. You're not. You're not. You need to give of yourself to others. This is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a church where it's not just a few people on leadership that are on fire for the Messiah. I'm seeing a church where every believer in the house is sold out for Jesus. I'm seeing every one of us letting go of earthly things, saying, no, I'm not going to pursue those things. I want to pursue Christ. I want to feed the hungry. I want to feed desperate, broken people. I want to help them. I want to lead them to Jesus. I want to look after them. I want to take them by the hand. I want to multiply. I want to bear fruit. Are you tired of average Christianity? Because the real deal is available to all of us. The real deal. Hallelujah.